Due to COVID-19 restrictions and safe social distancing practices, the audio quality on the following podcast is not quite what I had hoped for. However, the conversation quality is more than I had hoped for. Welcome to Hear It Through My Eyes. I had a conversation with Ethan Hamilton, and without further ado, let's just hop right to it. I see the stuff on TV it's it's a range of emotions um, first you you see it and it's just utter shock um, then for me I see it as myself like every time I see something like that it plays in my head like holy crap like that person looks like me that person does the same things that I do um, for example um, the Ahmed Aubrey thing. Um, you know, during quarantine, I started jogging and stuff to to stay in shape. I don't do that. Like, that's not something that I enjoy doing. It's not fun, but, you know, I have all this free time now. And then I start doing it, and then two weeks later, some dude gets shot while jogging, and it's like, well, shoot. Like, now I need to be on the lookout when I'm jogging and everything, too. It's just... It's a lot to take in every single time, and then every single time you see it to it, a little bit of you dies inside. And with this George Floyd one, it that one was just, I think it was just the tipping point for everybody. It was just like, I'm tired of it. And that one was so blatant, and it was just so out there that it was just like, all right, if you don't see it now, then there's something wrong with you. There's not anything wrong with us anymore. Like, we're not crazy to be thinking the things that we're thinking, feeling the way that we're feeling. Like, there's something wrong with you now if you don't see it. So, I mean, I kind of went off on a rambit a little bit, but I mean, it just brings up so much that it's hard to, it's hard to handle a lot. It's hard to handle. Um, Me experiencing police brutality not I've never been like beaten by the police or I've never had handcuffs on me or anything like that but I've been in plenty of situations where they were trying to get me like they wanted me really really bad for example one that sticks out really easy in my head I was I I had to work in the morning this was like during college and I remember telling everyone I'm like I'm bringing one beer one, because I was a poor college student, I couldn't buy anymore. And two, because I had to work the next day. So I was like, I'm having one beer, I'm bringing one, and that's it. So we were at my girlfriend at the time, now wife, and house, and we had a bunch of people there. I ended up having to drive home for something because I was probably going to spend the night over there. So probably to get like my work clothes and stuff. So I came driving back, and it's not that far away. And I go past an intersection, and I see a cop, and I'm like, okay, here we go. It was like 1 in the morning or whatever like that. And so then, you know, I see him turn around because we make eye contact. We're at an intersection, so there's there's streetlights and stuff. So he sees who's in the vehicle. He sees, he knows what I look like. So then he goes, he's driving down, he's following me. Um, long story short, I have two wheels in my wife's driveway and two outside of the driveway that's when he turns the lights on because he knows oh crap i gotta get him now or i can't get him at all i was um before um he even came up to talk to me the van comes pulling up to you know the van that they they used to take people off to jail 
So now before he even has a conversation with me, there are three officers on site. He comes up, he has a conversation with me and he's like, have you had anything to drink tonight? And I'm like, yes, I had one beer. Um, I ended up getting asked to come out of the vehicle. I had to do a field sobriety test. Um, at this point, there's now two more officers that have come onto the scene, another car. So there's five officers there. Um, they're running me through the field sobriety tests. Um, for one of the things, you know, where you have to stand on one foot, the max they make you do it is about 10 to 15 seconds. I remember counting for 30 seconds. I was standing there on one foot. So there's now five officers on the scene. I passed my field sobriety test. At this point, the people inside the house, because my wife lived with other roommates, and then one of the, her roommates, her brother was there too, and he ended up, or he now is like a fire chief on one of the suburban um, towns here. He ended up coming out to just like see what was going on, um, and they told him to go back inside. So they're all standing here watching at the window. I finished my field sobriety test, they got nothing on me, and then they real they see that I have eye drops in my car. Didn't know it was illegal to have eye drops in the middle of summer, you know, you're doing a landscaping job, so allergies and all that other fun stuff. So they're like, why do you have these eye drops? And I'm like, are you serious right now? And he's like, well, would, do we need to bring the dogs out? And I'm like, you know what? You go in that vehicle right now and you check it, and then you let me know so I can get the hell out of here. At this point, I'm starting to get pissed off. You know, it's just, it's too much. So then they search my vehicle. They end up finding nothing, of course. And then I finally let get let go. They say their stuff to me. I turn around and I go walking into the house and I get into the house and everyone was like, especially the fire, the now fire chief, he was like, dude, they're pissed that they didn't get you. And I was like, I know. And he's like, no, they were mad. Like they threw their arm down, like in disgust, like shit, we didn't get it. And they ended up going on their way. And that is one of the handful of times where I've had situations like that um, with just the police looking to get me, looking for something. I was helping one of my friends move once and he's in a pretty white community. Again, I go pulling up, you know, to go pulling into the community and I see another cop at an intersection. It's like noon, so he can see me in the car. He knows what I look like. It's a black guy. What's he doing in this town? So I go pulling into where my friend's house where we're going to help him move. And they're standing outside. And I said to them, and I was like, guys, sit here, watch this. And they're like, what are you talking about? I was like, just wait, watch. Cop goes driving by in front of the house, you know, making sure what I'm doing is okay. And then, you know, we start having the conversation and he pulls around and comes driving back the other way down the street. And he stops and asks them if everything was okay. And they freak out. They're like, what the hell is your problem? He's here to help us move. Like, did he do anything? He's like, I'm just, I just want to make sure everything was okay. I was like, got it. Good. Sounds great. Thank you, man. Like, <laughs> so yeah, it's shit like that. It, it's just, it just makes you think. Like, they're not here to help us. They don't want to help someone that looks like me. They know nothing about me, but they, they don't want to help someone that looks like me. In high school, I got my first ticket. I was speeding. I was. Like, I'm not going to lie. I deserved a ticket. Everything like that. Come to find out, two weeks later, somebody got pulled over by the same cop in the same spot going faster than me. They were let go. They were like, no, you're fine. You can have, you just don't do it again. Their first stop by the police and everything, too. Like, and it's just like, it's little shit like that. That it just, it's like, what the hell? You know what I mean? 
I'm I know I'm in a very unique situation um, for me and for a black man like me. I am raised by I, I was raised by two parents, two white parents, two very loving white parents that gave me everything that I ever needed. I know that I grew up with a certain amount of privilege. I did a certain amount of privilege that people that other people that look like me that now that I live 15, 20 minutes away from, they don't have that same luxury that I have. So I know that I didn't have the same growing up, the same type of struggle. And I lived in a pretty good community too, where I didn't really, you know, the community looked out for me. um, My friends looked out for me. And like, even in school, like I never really had at our school, like a situation where it's just like, holy shit, like I can't, I can't do this anymore. There was always subtle stuff where it was like people would say stupid stuff and it's, you just have to laugh it off like, ha, 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 like, well, you're an Oreo or you talk white or well, that's stupid stuff like that. And you kind of just sing there. They don't know how stupid they sound. You don't want to cause a thing because then you're going to be seen as the, the crazy, angry black kid. So you kind of just chuckle it off and whatever. But I, I, I know that the privilege that I had um, growing up and I'm in a unique spot too, where my older brother is a police officer. I have a brother-in-law now that I married into and he's a police officer. You know, my, my, I married a white woman. Um, her parents, you know, are both white and all that other stuff. So I know, like I keep saying, I, I know the certain level of privilege that I have, but even that, so like I have, I don't know how many black siblings I have, three or four, but I also have three or four white siblings as well. And when we go walking into a certain spot and we're all together, the looks that people will give us, and it's like puzzled, like, okay, like how did this go together? What side of the family is this? who married who beforehand, you know, certain stuff like that. Um, so we walk around, we get certain looks. Like, I remember once with my brother, I have an older brother, and he lives in, like, the Adams Friendship area. We were all home once, and we can't, went to visit him because he had just built a new house. We went out to eat. You could have heard a pin drop when me and my other black brothers went walking into that place. The, 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 I, you could have swore somebody broke their neck how quickly they turned so, I mean, it's little stuff like that. And then with, like, the Kaepernick thing, um, I mean, I got into plenty of heated conversations with people that I worked with, people that didn't understand. And I feel like I made my point. Like, one guy called me, like, two weeks ago, and he's like, I'm really glad. Um, first, I want to make sure you're okay. And then I'm really glad that we had this conver- these conversations. Like, you opened my eyes up a whole lot. And, like, now I'm having these different conversations with other people, and I think they're starting to get it. But, I mean, I think Muhammad Ali in his time was viewed the same way that Colin Kaepernick is viewed right now. You know, I don't think a lot of people that celebrate Muhammad Ali today would would have celebrated him back then. They wouldn't have, because the things that they say about Cap today, the things that they show, like, it's, it's completely opposite with something that somebody like that, that you revere, that's that you're like, oh my goodness, he was such a great man. Colin Kaepernick sacrificed everything to do what he's doing right now. And to say that just because you have two white parents, you're not going to experience type some type of bullshit in your life, that has nothing to do with it. You may grow up with a certain level of privilege more so than other people have, but I think that makes you more woke than anything. You're like, okay, I see that this person gets treated better. 
I also see that this person gets treated worse. And then when I'm with these certain people, I get treated this way. But when I'm with these certain people, I get treated this way. Why is that? And there's only one common denominator, or there's only one common factor that changes it. It's the way that these people look and the way that these people look. If I'm hanging out with these people, I must be okay. But if I'm hanging out with these people, mm, I got to be a little cautious when I walk by him. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's a, it is a two-pronged sword. And, like, it, you know you're not in the worst of the worst, but you also know what heaven tastes like. And you know, like, you get a little bit of it, but then you also know, like, sometimes people are like, nope, you don't deserve that. You know, because, you know, I came down here for college. I ended up, you know, playing football down here, too. So I had a lot more black teammates than I had in high school. And so then they, they, they feel you out a little bit. But then at the end, they realize, oh, my God, he's, he's just like us. He likes the same things that we do. He's goofy just like us. It doesn't matter. Um, and it, it gets that way with, with people on the other side, too, once they get to know you. But it's just like, it's a little bit like, Mm, he's he's a he's a little he's a little different from this and he's a little different from that and you're in like a weird kind of middle spot so it's not better or it's not worse but you see the difference and i think for me that has opened my eyes up so much more where i can see that this that these people get this and i can see that these people get that and it's not even being in like a mixed marriage right like you're black she's white is that something that people have ever approached you on or even mentioned anything about, or is it? it for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's happened before. You know, where you'll, you'll be walking in a certain place or you'll go a certain place and you get a certain look. Like, you know what looks, you know what looks mean. And I don't know if she gets it, but like, I get it. And like, I really, I try to shelter her from it as much as I can, but like, do you how like how many conversations you know growing up you have a conversation with your parents like all right you need to do the right thing you get the birds and the bees talk and then that's like it right you know like those are the the big talks that that certain people get well as a black kid you get one more talk on top of that you get the you always need to do the right thing have your you know to have good friends around you um the birds and the bees talk and then it's the talk about you can't always do the same things that your white friends do. You're not going to get looked at the same way. You're going to get judged differently. You're going to be looked at and, you know, certain things are going to happen to you. You need to understand this. I got this talk when I was like 12 years old, you know, and growing up, you, you don't, as a black kid, you don't think about that. You know, Ben, ben was my best friend growing up, like all through kindergarten. You know, we dress up the same on twin day. We'd each wear Robert Brooks jerseys, Jordans, and jeans. And I could have swore to God you couldn't tell us apart, you know? The imagination of a kid, the wonder of a kid. And then you grow up and you start to realize how dirty and just rude this world truly is. But that's just another talk that a, a black kid has to get, that another, that, that white kids, they don't have to get. They'll never understand. Or like a conversation with my wife, like, you know, when you're about to get married, you talk about, you know, how many kids you want, like what you want, what are your dreams, all that other nonsense. I had to have a conversation like, okay, we're going to have mixed kids now. The, this is the reality of the situation. This is what's going to happen. This is what could happen. These are the things you need to look for. Is that something that you can handle? You know what I mean? Like it's, 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 it's a whole nother step, a whole nother 
conversation that I need to have because of the way I look. Because now I'm involving her, who's never experienced anything like I have in my life, into that life that I have. And then we're going to create something that will also come into that life that we have. And now she needs to be aware of it because now it's going to directly affect her. You know, even even going to the grocery store, you know, I, if, I, I always use the self-checkout line because I said before, I hate people. I hate standing in lines. I don't want to have meaningless conversations with a clerk or something like that. So, like, I go in the self-checkout line every single time the person's always standing behind me. Every single time there could be every single register could be used by everybody else. The person's always standing behind me. And then they, like, follow it up like, oh, I can take your basket for you. Like, while there's three other empty baskets sitting at the other registers, like, yeah, you want to make sure the thing is empty. It's empty. Here you go. <laughs> you know, you drop it in their hand. Thank you. Have a great day. Or how many times have you been tailed around a store? You know, to, you, you, you're looking, you're walking around, and then you, then you turn into a game like, oh, oh, there he is. I see him. And then you, like, say something to him. Like, I see you behind the mirror. Like, is there, do you want to help me with something? I don't need any help. You know, and they're like, no, no, we're, I'm just fixing up this, this shelf or something like that. Like, these are the everyday situations that people like me go through that people that look like you will, they don't understand. And it's not your fault that you don't understand. You've never had to experience it. And so like us blacks, and I think the majority of us, we understand that we get it. And so we're trying to tell you, Hey, this is what's happening. It's so much more than people getting just killed by the police for no other reason. Like, it's everyday life. Everything that I do, I always need to be checking. Everything. Like, if I get pulled over, I need to ask permission to even go into the glove box. Like, hey, I'm going in the glove box. Is that okay? You know, that's those things that people like you, they, they don't have to worry about in stops. And that's not your fault. It's just we want to be heard. We want to be known. And, like, you're asking for more stories there was one time I was again at my now wife's house. Um, she was already asleep. It was like one in the morning messing around outside doing whatever with a couple other people. And two cops come just like out of the bushes. <laughs> and then they only want to talk to me. They want me to prove who I am, like why I'm here, like all this other stuff. While the two other people that I'm with are like, dude, he's here with us. Like we're college students. They're like, no, we're looking for someone. And, you match the description. So then I have to like go into the house, grab my wallet, because these cops won't leave me alone, to prove who I am. And then just for them to be like, oh, we're so sorry. We wasted your time. And you can't say anything, right? You can't say anything smart or anything like that. Essentially, you just feel embarrassed. Because now you just got called out in front of two other people that have never experienced it before. And you just feel embarrassed. You feel less than a person. Every time a situation, like a stupid situation with a cop happens, I, I, I am embarrassed, man. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to talk about. It's embarrassing to share. Like, none of these stories. I think I just shared these stories with my family, like, a week ago, two weeks ago. And this stuff happened in college, like, nine, seven, eight, nine years ago. Because it's embarrassing to just be viewed at, as less than human, less than who you are. Like, I'm a very hardworking dude. Like, I work for everything that I have right now. And it's to just be viewed as, nah, he's not worth it. Like, he, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter. It, it's frustrating. And it, 
it makes you question yourself and who you are completely. And it, it's, it's something that you just don't want to deal with on a, on a day-to-day basis. And it just gets old. It, you get exhausted, you get tired, and it just gets old. But then, like, you have certain people. You also get hope and everything, too. Because, like I said, my, my brother-in-law, he's a cop. He reached out to me. Like, three days after the incident, he's like, I want to make sure you're okay. Like, how are you doing? And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm good. Like, how are you doing? Are you staying safe? Like, I'm, I, I, I'm thinking about you. Like, I want to make sure you're okay. You know, his wife reached out to me. Um, and, like, all that other side of the parent, her parents, like, that's all on my wife's side. But then you flips to my family. The people that I grew up with, the people that I call my brothers and sisters, you know, and now it got to a point where I'm not even talking to my two older brothers because they didn't like that I was speaking up for what I thought was right. Because I should have just, I should be, no matter what, I should just be standing with the police because my older brother is a police officer, not asking for them to be better. I, nothing was said about anti-police, I, not even today. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm anti-police, never been anti-police. Do I think they should have as big of a fund as they have? No. Do I think they should have tanks, riot gear, all that other shit? No. That's why we have a National Guard if it ever got to that situation. These people shouldn't be armed warriors on the street, intimidating. Like These people go rolling through like the um, black communities in their cars slow intimidating like like we want to let you know we're watching you and then they go rolling through white communities like hey mr smith how are you today oh my god betsy's getting so big it's a it's it's a tale of two worlds and the sooner people realize that the sooner we can get over this and start moving forward to where we need to be i don't want to make it so there's no police officers anywhere we need police officers everywhere but I also don't want to have a police officer come to my house if, say, my wife is having a mental breakdown. I don't need a cop. Give me, a, give me someone that deals with that type of stuff. Give me the funds from that police department. Throw it into something else so they can actually worry about the stuff that they should be worrying about. And then people that can take care of the things like that that are qualified for it. The police officers aren't shrinks. You know what I mean? And so, like, and like talking with my brother-in-law, you know, he deals with that certain stuff. And it's like, but why? Why are we calling police officers if there's, like, a bear running around through a town? Shouldn't you call something like animal control or something like that? You know what I mean? There's different ways that we can use that money and things will still be accomplished. Like, there's not going to be crazy people running through the streets, like, all craziness you know what I mean? Like a Batman movie. That's not what it's going to be. And I, the sooner people can understand and the pe- sooner people can grasp what we're trying to accomplish, I, I, I guarantee you, you're going to want it. Like it's, it would be the same thing where I think we're at the end of the day, we're all fighting for the same stuff. We're, we're going around in circles, not listening to what anybody else has to say. And at the end of the day, we all want the same stuff. We all want to be safe. We all want to be able to go someplace and know that we're going to walk home and be okay. We, I want to be able to have my kid be able to run through a playground with a toy gun just like a white kid can without the risk of being shot with a cop being on scene for less than two seconds. You know what I mean? Like, it's that type of stuff. And the sooner people realize that...
playing football, I vividly remember in high school, vividly remember being called the N-word once on the football field. And I freaked out. And like, <laughs> I wanted to go after the dude so hard. And, but I didn't, you know, because then you're the one that gets it. It's always the second person that gets caught, right? But you right. say something to the ref, and he's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll look into it. I'm like, dude, are you serious? He just called me this. Everyone here heard it. <laughs> no, like, don't worry about it. Or, like, it's I. It's all in central Wisconsin, right? Dude, yes. But, like, I remember playing a game. It was in Wild Rose or Tigerton, one of the two. And during the national anthem, one of the students in their truck with a Confederate flag out the back, it's one of those fields that's like on a city block. So like this, the, the road goes around the field, kind of like Port Edwards does. Road around the field during the national anthem with a Confederate flag waving out the back. Nobody, nobody said a thing. It was, it was like normal. It was, and they parked the truck right in because there's a parking lot right at the one of the end zones. Parked the truck for, there for the entire game. I've never wanted to return an opening kickoff so bad. <laughs> never wanted to return an opening, and I did. And I made sure to take off my helmet to like, no, this is who I am. Like you see me, right? Like this is who I am. Oh my god! And like nobody said anything. It was it was nothing. It was absolutely nothing. And then I remember one of my teammates like during the national anthem turning back to me, going like, "Hey, look, Ethan, it's one of your friends. Like, <laughs> this is where I grew up." At that, I mean, I'm not. No one was perfect back then, and I get that. You know, people have a lot of growing up, and there was still like not a lot of education about what was going on back then and everything either. Like, but at the same time, now, now is what we're talking about. I don't care about what happened before because there's there's nothing that we're gonna do from it other than learn from it. We need to learn about what happened before. We need to learn about how people were treated in the past to understand how we feel still today. But then we need to move forward. Like, I don't care about you changing the name of some corn syrup. Like, I don't care about that. What I want is, like, true police reform, true accountability. Just see us, hear us, listen to what we have to say. That's it. Like, just give us a chance. Like, there's so much stupid stuff that's going on right now that this is not what we ask for. I didn't ask for you to paint the street, even though it's a great, it's a great thing that you're doing. We didn't ask that. That's not what we want. Like, and so I still feel like now, like, it's just a giant facade. Like, let's just shine it up. Let's make it look really nice this time because they're starting to get a little woke. So we need to make it a little more nice this time. But at the same time, let's, let's just hold off to see if it gets any better, to see if this does it. Like, just a little bit of duct tape. Like, this one should be a little bit better. We reinforce it a little bit better. So there's still so much more to do, so, so much more that we can do and to go and like the thing that needs to happen is we need to talk about it like my brother-in-law he's he's a white dude and at work one of these times like one of the guys was telling him like again like how we should be doing the things that we're doing like me i'm saying that as like a black man how we should be doing something and he spoke up he's like weren't you you're at the va right and he's like yeah and i was like okay so then like at your next meeting i should come and suggest things for you to do right and he's like well no you've never been and he's like before you even finish what you're saying think about what you're saying and now think about what you just said before and he's like oh i i guess and i was like yeah he's like you have no idea what it's like so your suggestions really don't mean anything 
just listen to what we have to say, you know? You actually uh, recently had a Facebook quote I kind of liked. It was, I wish people cared as much about black lives as they do about black culture. That one, I, you know, I, I saw that on Twitter and it, it hits so, it's hit so hard. You know what I mean? Like, for example, you go to Alabama, Auburn football games, North Carolina, Duke basketball games. You see the stands filled with white people, right? Alabama and the Carolinas are the states that they play in. Those people don't care about the players that are there. They don't care about them because of the way that he looks. If they could field, if all those teams could field top five teams with all white players, they'd do it in a heartbeat. That would that would be it. Like they would, and they would segregate their school. I believe, like, no, we only want white athletes. Um, we're good without it. Like we don't we don't need them over there. We don't. We're already good. But they want to be good at sports because it brings their school revenue, and so they go out and they get these athletes. But they don't care about these athletes. Clemson. You know, Clemson, South Carolina, they proved that. They had a rally rolling through Clemson. with a It was a Trump Confederate flag rally, essentially. And there were a lot of Clemson football players that were pretty pissed off that I saw on Twitter. You know, and then you have the one running back from Mississippi State. He's saying he's not playing this year unless Mississippi changes their flag. Not what's happening. Mississippi is in the process of changing their flag. These young kids they're starting to realize how powerful they really are at these universities. And this coronavirus has made that possible. You see like a lot of schools are in a lot of trouble now because sports weren't able to, weren't able to happen and they weren't able to get their revenue from, from ticket sales and all that other stuff. These schools, they need these players more than these players need these schools. And they're starting to get more and more woke. And they're starting to be, they're starting to realize, like, I don't need these people. Like, for, for example, Thon Maker's brother is a top five basketball recruit. And he just declared to uh, a historically black college. He's not going to any other top universities. Mikey Williams, also another, I think he's a sophomore or a junior, top recruit. He is also talking about going to a historically black college. Slowly, slowly, slowly we are starting to realize they're not for us. Why should I go do all this stuff for them? And so that means that, you know, with the black culture, everybody, you know, you see all these white kids wearing flat brim hats, you know, back in the day, they're all wearing big ear stuff, listening to this and this on their radio. Um, and then when we need them, they're nowhere to be found. And that, that is frustrating. Um, we there, think about how different music would be today if there was no jazz, if there was no blues. Think of how different sports would be today if there was no black athletes. Go back and watch basketball in the 50s. That's what it would be today. It would be annoying as hell. You wouldn't have any fun. Um, think of how different movies would be today without any black actors, black culture, and all that stuff. Whether you want to believe it or not, the black community, we as black people, built, helped build this country. We are just as important as everybody else. And it's about damn time we get treated like it. Um, so people are starting to realize, you know what I mean? They're, they're starting to realize. And it's crazy because I was listening to something the other day. Viola Davis, um, the actress, was talking about she was listing off all her awards, everything like that. And she's, she's like, everyone calls me, you know, I'm the black Meryl Streep and everything like that. Why am I not getting paid like it? I have all of these awards. 
I have all of this. I have all of this. Everything I do is a success. What is the difference? People love black culture. They love what black people bring to the table. Um, they, they, but they don't want to help us. As long as we can still benefit off you, we don't really care what you benefit off of. And yeah, that is frustrating. And it's more prevalent than people would like to realize how much blackness is in today's society you feel used almost you know what i mean you feel used and then when you're not needed anymore or when they don't care about you you're just tossed to the side to crawl back up again and then all right you're back up here again all right we're gonna we're gonna celebrate you you know so it, it it's it's annoying it, it's frustrating i i can tell you you know like i went driving on the way to spring break in college one year you know we went driving through alabama confederate flags anyway we had to stop there for gas i didn't get out of the vehicle you know i i i told my friends i was like can you give me a gatorade and like a candy bar and they're like are you serious i'm like there's no way in hell i'm getting out of this vehicle not here you know and that's the same you know this and it was just outside of where um alabama's campus was is where we were stopped you know they they love what the black what black people bring to the table, but they don't they don't want to help you. You hear us, but you're not re-listening. Like you see that stuff, and it's and you think in your head like, okay, great, like that's a that's a half a step forward. I'm looking for giant leaps and bounds forward. Thank you. I appreciate you for changing the name of your syrup. You it makes you roll your eyes a little bit though. Like, like am I? The, it makes you question yourself. Like, am I crazy? Like, am I am I crazy to feel this way? Like. And so then, but then you have like certain companies that like, yes, like they plaster it, like Black Lives Matter, we do all this, all this other nonsense. But then behind the scenes, they're like, ho-hum, like, please be quiet about it. We don't want to discuss it in here, in the office or anything. We're kind of just doing this, you know, to make a buck, essentially. Like, this is the hot thing right now. This is what we need to push. And so it's like, it's two-pronged, essentially. It's like, okay, great thank you. I, I think you're kind of trying to get what I'm trying to say, but at the same time, it's like, but this isn't really what we're asking for, <laughs> you know? And nice. so it, 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 it makes you feel stupid a little bit, I guess is the long answer to your question. The blue lives matter thing pisses me off because one, a blue life doesn't exist. It's an occupation. That is your job. If it's something that you can't handle anymore, put down the badge for everybody and go do something else. Because once you lose it, it's, it's done. Like, it's gone. You have a specific obligation to your community and to the people that pay you. That's right. The people that pay you to uphold the law and to protect. And not to be a scary, scary individual toting a gun. If you can't handle being a cop, if you think blue lives matter and your life is so hard and your job is so hard, do what everybody else does and just get a new job. I respect cops. I respect what they do. I know that it's hard. That's why I think it needs to be spe- there needs to be more training in that. There needs to be even more um, background checks in that um, so we can get the best people to do it. I don't like fearing every time I see a cop. You know, I don't I don't like that feeling that I get and it annoys the heck out of me. But again, I'll say it again. I respect the heck out of cops. I do. I know what their job that they have is hard and I know it's not something that I would want to do. And that's why I'm not a cop, because I don't think I could handle it. So the Blue Lives Matter one, that one pisses me off because it's pretty easy. If your Blue Lives mattered that much, put it down 
protect your family and go do something else, work in an office. But if it's not something that you really, really want to do and something that you have a passion to do, like my brother-in-law does, like my brother does, then take it seriously. Do it the right way. You know, but there's so many people that aren't. And that's why that one makes me mad. Um, uh, do you believe that, you know, reverse racism is a thing? I believe it exists. Like, uh, there, of course, there's got to be black people that don't like white people. There's got to be black people that don't like Mexican. There, there has to be. Like, right? This is, we live in a world where that type of nonsense exists. But I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that... Um, People, that black people will not, you know, go, man, I can't, I hate white people, like, blah, 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 you know what I mean? Because we know how much control they have over our lives. That's like putting a target on your back, almost, to go openly and, like, speak like that. But yes, there is black-on-white crime, there's white-on-black crime, there's white-on-white crime, there's black-on-black crime, but the funny thing is that, like, percentages are pretty funny, right? Like, the way you can... So the number looks really higher, but then you crunch it all down and then you see the percentages and it's, you see everything's almost about the same um, when you take that into account. And then you get the same people too that, well, more white people are killed by, by the police each year than black people. Well, that's because there's more white people, a lot more white people than there are black people in this country. But then you look at the percentages and it's, holy crap, the percentages, black people way up here and white people way down here, even though the totals are different. So it's all about the optics. You, you see what you want to see. And if you don't dig further and learn the other side, even if it makes you mad, like if you don't do that stuff, you're not going to know the full story. And like we keep, you, we keep saying stuff about the media today, and that's, that's where it goes. We, we were taught in high school to like search, right? You need to use sources, cite your sources, like make sure you dig and like find something three, four sources to make sure that you know what you're looking at is correct. There, there is no more of that. It's like, holy cow, this headline says what I want it to say. I skim it a little bit. Okay, it looks pretty decent. I don't read the whole thing. Yeah, I'm going to post this up here. Boom, post. So everyone that also thinks the same way that I do can put me at and like it. So then it reaffirms how I believe like, oh my God, I'm not crazy. I'll just, I'll shut out this part of the world because I don't want to see it because it doesn't involve me. So that, that, that's how I feel about if you're looking at optics like that, that's just it. You're, you're looking for something so you can feel like you're correct. I'm going to go on record and say, first and foremost, I don't, I, if I was down there, it's not something that I would be doing. That being said, I really don't give a shit. Like I, I, I really, really don't. And I had this same conversation with one of my older brothers who now I, I really don't talk to anymore because of this. He sent like a text message. It was like, this is how I think you guys should be doing it. This is what I don't agree with this. And I so stop and I'm like, hold up. What have you ever experienced in your life? Time and time and time and time and time again with no action, with no results, with just talk, how they should react. And then you go and then you do some digging and see why white people riot. And it's like to celebrate, like, oh my God, we just won a championship. Let's go burn down this, this, this van or let's go climb on this light pole or something like that. It's not something that I condone, but it's something that I understand. When you've been beating on the door for so long and you know that 
in that room. They're living life with no care at all. And they see that you're suffering outside, but they don't care. They don't want to let you in. And you keep knocking like, hey, uh, we're suffering out here. Please help us. They're like, no, no, don't worry about it. You're knocking a little harder. Like, we need some help. Please, for the love of God, help us. No, don't, don't worry about it. Then you start banging on the door. Then you start wanting to kick down the door. They still don't want to listen. At some point, begging and asking and pleading for help, it's going to get old. I'm only 30 years old, man. Like, I'm not one of these 50-year-old, 60-year-old, 70-year-old black people that have been dealing with this for so long. I'm only 30 years old, and I'm already fed up. I'm over it. Like, I really am. And I didn't go down to the protests, like, the first night, the second night, the third night, because I know, like, the hate in my heart, yeah, I don't condone it, but I don't know, man. I'm pretty hurt. Like, I don't really give a shit about this target right here. And then, but then, okay, so then that happens, right? And so then everything burns and everything like that, and then the media covers that. Who's the people that are cleaning that shit up the next day, though? It's the community. It's everybody that was down there. Uh, everyone's still coming together, and they're still cleaning up their own place. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't understand. They're burning down their own home, blah, 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 like all that other stuff. Man, I don't care about a Target with a giant insurance policy that they're probably making money off of it anyway. Not to mention 95% of these store owners and everything like that, if you go on social media and you search it enough, they were all, you know what, let my let – my, let my store burn or let it get broken into whatever there's bigger, bigger issues at hand and there are bigger issues at hand. And again, I'm going to go on record. I don't think it's not something that I would have condoned, but who am I and who has, who are white people to tell us how we should feel about something that we've been dealing with so much, man, I'm telling you the week in the first two weeks, like after this George Floyd thing, I was so completely and totally, utterly out of it. I was not myself. And, like, people would call and be like, hey, are you okay? And I'd be like, honestly, man, like, no. Like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I I really can't. You just feel, you feel helpless. And if going and smashing something helps you feel a little bit better, whatever, man. You're going to hear us. And if if you're not going to hear us, you're going to see us. And if you're not going to see us, you're going to feel us. You're going to feel the pressure a little bit because we have something to say. And this is not what we want. This is not what we want to do. I don't want to be out here. I don't, I'm a homebody, dude. I, I, I want to be at my house. I don't want to be protesting. I don't really like people all that much. I don't want to be with all of them. You know what I mean? So this is not something I want to be doing. But at the same time, this is something that we have to do. This has to get done because we're tired of it. And I'm getting to the age now, too, like, I'm going to be raising a family eventually, too. And, like, now every time I see something, like, I see myself, but I also see little me, little misses me. You know what I mean? And that type of stuff, that scares the hell out of me. It does. And so if burning down a target brings a little attention to that, man, I'm okay with it. How can we get everybody on board to kind of understand? We can't end racism. It just won't happen. No. But we can certainly lessen its impact. How do we do that? I think it starts, you know, with the younger generation. I have so much faith 
honestly, with this younger generation coming up. I have a niece. She's 19 years old. She's, you know, a freshman in college. And she was right there with me at one of the protests. More outspoken than me. Um, for sure, talking with a whole lot more people. She was talking with, like, some a counter-protester on the other side. You know, like... <laughs> and the counter-protester was like, you know, my cousin was white. And he got killed by the police. And my niece was like, well, then you should be out here with you. I don't know why you're arguing with me. Like, come over here. I have a sign for you. Like, what are you, what are we arguing about? Like, it, I think it starts with raising our kids the way that we want to see the future world. Because I think, I think everybody older, everybody older than us, everyone our age and older, I think for the most part, they're gone. There's no changing their mind about how they see it because they don't want to see it. They lived their way now for 30 plus years and that is, that's the way they want to live. But I have so much faith, man, in this younger generation coming up. I really, really do. And that's what gives me hope. That is honestly what gives me hope because I see these kids and I see how outspoken. One of the protests that I was at was organized by like a 19, 20 year old, two of them, two females, what, 19, 20 years old. Couldn't have been more older than that. So yeah, that's what gives me faith. But what we can do, we can, we can keep listening. We can talk to the people that, that will, will have a conversation with us. And if people don't, there's nothing wrong with cutting people out of your life. Like, there is no black and gray or for me on this issue. You're either on the right side or you're on the wrong side. If you're on the wrong side, I'm honestly, I'm cutting you out if you're not going to trying to willing to listen to what I have to say. And I mean that 100%. If you're not trying to hear what I'm trying to say, what I experience on a day-to-day basis, and you're so stuck in your way that you're on this side, I'm done with you. I really, really am. And I, I, I've cut out a lot of people of my life in the last, like, month. And, you know, family included, cousins, siblings, like, it, there is no, there is no gray area to this issue. Like, you're either, you're either for everyone, all lives mattering, or you're not. So if you're going to say it, be about it. If you're just saying it to be an ass, then just don't even say it and just stay on your side, but stay in your little huddle. And don't chastise and belittle the people that are trying to progress and trying to make the world better. Just because you feel like your, um, for some reason, your liberties are being taken away just because other people want to be treated normal. You know, it's not even equal. It's just normal. Just treat me like a normal person at the end of the day.